friend of mine was talking to his parents one day, and they, he was a pastor of a church, and he called his mom and dad, attended another church in another town. He said, Mom, how was service today? She said, oh, it was good. What do you mean? Well, it just seemed like, and he called the pastor's name, had a burr under his saddle. So she got off the phone. His dad got on the phone. He said, well, Dad, how was service today? He said, oh, it was like being in heaven. That's the challenge every preacher faces when he stands in the pulpit. How people will receive the Word of God. To some, it will be irritating, and some, it will be inspiring. I hope that it doesn't irritate you today. But I do come with a heavy, heavy burden on my heart. I want to direct your attention to three passages of Scripture found in the New Testament. We'll begin in the book of Philemon, which is only written by Paul. And it's easy to overlook, but it was a letter written by Paul to address a certain need to a gentleman who had lost a slave, one of his workers, and that man had been converted, and now he was going back to his master. And Paul thought it needful to write to him and tell him to remember that he's a brother in Christ. But he closes the letter by saying this in Colossians or in Philippians chapter 1 or Philemon chapter 1 in verse 24. He said, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. He was letting them know that he was not alone that there were others with him. Marcus, Mark, John Mark, most likely, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, or Luke, who was a constant companion of the Apostle Paul. The book of Colossians was written somewhere in the same, same time period as, as Philemon. As a matter of fact, it went to the same location. This man that was being written to was part of the church in the Colossae area. But in Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 14, Paul is identifying who is with him and who is working with him. And he makes this statement, verse number 14. He said, Luke, the beloved physician and Demas greet you. And then... Paul has come to the end of his journey. He has come to the final chapter. It is only a matter of weeks now before he will be taken before the court and sentenced to death. And so he is writing to his son in the Lord, urging him to come quickly to where he is and bring certain matters to him. Verse number 9 and 10 It reads in the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy, he said, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed into 
Thessalonica. How do you move from being a fellow laborer, a co-worker, part of a ministry team, to a deserter? I want to talk to you about the process that takes place. And I, I, I know that what I'm going to preach today may seem extremely negative to some, but I don't intend for it to be negative. I would pray that it would be instructive. The burden that I feel in my heart, I must get rid of it. And so I pray that you will receive the word as instruction. Not just correction, but instruction. And everyone said amen. And you may be seated. My subject this morning is Demas. Demas, tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. Little is known about this man, Demas. Only three short passages that even mention his name. And yet there is in those three verses enough that we can deduct, we can reason out. There must have been something that happened. It is definitely the story of a tragedy. Here was a man who had shown such great potential that the Apostle Paul wanted him to be a part of his evangelism team. He had such great prospect that he was included in Paul's inner circle. Paul was a very particular person and he was a very peculiar man and he was a very demanding person. You find that when you read the book of Acts and you see the division that came over a young man by the name of John Mark who kind of got weak and wanted to go home and be with his mother and his family and and it caused a great rift in an evangelistic team and they split. They went separate ways. And so for Demas to have been chosen tells me that he had great possibilities. There was something about his life about his conversion, about his consecration that brought him into that inner circle, privileged to be a part of the great revival of the book of Acts. And yet, when you read his story, it is one of the saddest commentaries in Scripture. First mentioned in Philemon alongside Luke, who wrote the book of Luke, and most likely the book of Acts. John Mark, who was a very vital part of the early church, and he was called a fellow laborer. Say that word with me, fellow laborer. A friend, a confidant, a co-worker, side by side with the Apostle Paul. Preaching, praying, traveling, evangelizing, alongside the venerable Apostle Paul, deeply involved in the work of God, greatly committed to the cause, no doubt. But the next mention of him, all Paul could say about him was to call him by name. 
That ought to have been a warning, and perhaps Paul was even becoming aware that something is not right with Demas. Paul evidently had already begun to see some things that were telltale signs. I don't know if he tried to warn him, but certainly with him not elaborating any more than to say Demas lets me know that something had transpired. And then lastly, the tragic epitaph that is found in 2 Timothy 4 and 10, where he said, He has forsaken me, having loved this present world. There are many commentaries that I've read and many modern preachers that try to say that Demas was not the man that we have portrayed him, that he simply went back to another form of life. The problem with that is that the Greek word that Paul used to speak of what had happened, the word forsaken, means that he had abandoned, deserted him, left him, completely walked away and deserted him. Forsaken is a deeply troubling word. One translator translated that passage to say he departed Because he loves the things of this world. Another one said he left because he was chasing fads. Chasing fads. He came under the influence of something that turned his desire and his passion and his burden. The desire that was gone bad and he forsook Paul and went back to Thessalonica. I don't know what was there. History does not record, but there is evidence in Jewish history that may indicate that Demas even became a leader in a cult of some kind later on in his life. I don't know. I don't even want to surmise that. What I want to make you aware of is what had to happen in order for a man of that caliber to go from confidant, co-worker, laborer, a part of the, the, the workings and the machinery of the early church to being a man on the outs, running and fleeing away from the call of God. He traded the eternal for temporal things. He lost, no doubt, his spiritual perspective. But how do you move from involvement, commitment, Participation, burden, commitment, laboring, working, to being a bystander or uninvolved or uncommitted or even a deserter. How do you move from being a worshiper to a watcher? Man, certainly it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not something that just comes on quickly. It is a very slow process. Transitions that gradually take place that no one seems to perceive, perhaps, but a preacher or a pastor with a burden. He begins to notice certain little things that he realizes are signs. They are symptoms. They are evidence that something is out of alignment. How many times in my ministry have I gone to people in that state and tried to speak to them and they looked at me in disbelief? 
Many of them were offended at me because I would even say something of that nature. And I have hurt their feelings. Maybe it began when he just started entertaining a spirit of complaining in his life. I don't know. I'm just trying to grasp and put my mind around what had to happen for Paul to move or for, for Demas to move from that man who was standing by the side of the apostle Paul. Everything Paul was doing, he was doing so deeply involved and intertwined in the workings of the church and the spirit until he's now a man that is on the run. He has forsaken Paul and he has turned his back upon the church and, and he has gone into another type of life. But maybe, I don't know, maybe it began with a spirit of complaining. Maybe he just got tired of the hardness of the journey. You know, jail was a common part of Paul's life at that time. And being in conflict with the Jewish leaders of the day was a constant problem wherever Paul went to preach. And he was a man who was turning the world upside down. And so it put him in an awkward place. He wasn't the most popular man around. And maybe, just maybe... Demas got to looking around and he realized, I'm tired of all of this hardship. I'm tired of living by faith. I'm tired of a preacher telling me that I just need to hold on. I'm tired of the hazards of ministry and living for God and the persecution and all that comes with it. Maybe it morphed into a finding fault where he began to look too closely at Paul and others around him and began to find faults in them and all of the shortcomings of the church and the people that he worked with and those that he was was involved with in ministry and, and a critical spirit perhaps moved into his heart. I don't know. I'm just I'm just surmising because I've seen it happen like that so often. Soon followed that spirit of unfairness that slips into the mind and the heart and we begin to look around and realize that it's not right. Here I am trying to do right and I'm struggling. I can't pay my bills. I can't seem to get ahead. I'm looking over here at these guys and, and they're living it up. They're having a great time and they're enjoying their life and why am I having to sacrifice? And they seem to be getting away scot-free. And so he allowed that spirit or that mind of unfairness to slip into his thought pattern and his processes. And the cross became a little too heavy. Every morning when he would wake up, it became more of a burden than a blessing to him. And then things began to deteriorate. The attractiveness of the world began to make a strong pull for him. It was very appealing. Something, something happened. Let me just say this about the love for the world. It is intoxicating. When first you find your attention being drawn toward that world, you will find that it is euphoric. It is exciting. It is thrilling. Oh my, why have I been so hard against this? What's so wrong with this? 
I feel so much better now. But the longer that Spirit works in my life, it then begins to dull my spiritual senses and it deadens my spiritual nerve and it dampens my spiritual passion and finally it silences my soul's cry. It happens when you fall in love with the world and the things of this world. It was a costly love affair for Demas. Look at what the love of the world caused him to do. Forsake, abandon, desert, to walk away. You you and I need to be careful what we allow ourselves to fall in love with. Amen. But my question this morning, I want to talk to Demas. Demas, if you can hear us this morning, if there is some way that God would give you the opportunity to hear the questions of this priest, how did rescue, what happened? How did this come down? How did all of this take place? It didn't happen overnight. It, it didn't happen in a moment's time. You, you move from being a man of burden and passion and hunger and desire to a man that's no longer counted among God's faithful. What happened, Demas? Demas? Speaks to me and he says, well, it began with a look. He said, I allowed my attention to get misplaced. And I started looking at the wrong things. It began when my attention was diverted from the things that really mattered to things that were only temporal I allowed my eyes and my thoughts to drift. Amen. I allowed my emotions to play and have play day. Amen. I I let myself have these little voyeur experiences. Nobody knew about them. Maybe it happened on the internet. Maybe it happened in a text message or maybe it happened on Facebook. I don't know. There's so many avenues nowadays. But we give ourselves the opportunity just to explore what's out there. And in exploring, we realize that our attention has been drawn away. What was the focus of our mind and the focus of our endeavors and the heart of our passion suddenly is kind of muted and it's diffused so much that we can't make out what what's really important and so now we only see what's near us we we've lost our vision or our, our ability to see further down the road and now we just become consumed with now here right now this what's going on today and we allow our eyes and our thoughts to shift and drift And when my attention becomes diverted, I begin to look in the wrong direction. I begin to look to the wrong things. I begin to look to the wrong people. I begin to depend upon the wrong things. I look for the wrong support. I lost focus on what was important, Demas said. And with his attention diverted, it wasn't long until the next step kicked in. He said, when I lost my attention, the next thing that began to be affected in my life was my affections. 
the things that I love, the things that move me, the things that stir me. There were times when I sat and listened to the Apostle Paul preach and my heart was enraptured and I felt like I had been lifted into the third heaven. But now I can yawn and I can scratch the head and I can look at my calendar, what's going to happen next week. And can't wait till church is over. My heart's somewhere else. My body may be here, but my mind's at Six Flags. The world becomes less and less offensive. It becomes less and less offensive. We become less and less troubled by it. And more and more, it begins to attract us. We tell ourselves that we need to broaden our scope. We need to loosen up. Are you hanging by a clothesline? It's too rigid around here. My Lord, he would have you hanging by a clothesline if you let him. And what does that preacher know anything about life anyway? He doesn't know my life. He doesn't know what I deal with on a daily basis. So something began to mess with his affections. The things that he loved, the things that he cherished the things that he longed to be a part of, suddenly they began to grow dull, boring. When is this going to be over? It happened for some of you in service day. You you were wondering, when is that song going to ever end? That transition's already taken place in some, perhaps that are even sitting here right now. I'm here, but I'm just here because of her. I'm here because of him. I'm here because of this or that. I'm here because I don't want the preacher calling me, bothering me. So I'll show up, but don't expect me to get involved because my affections are elsewhere. With his attention diverted and his affections now being played with, he began that slippery slide down that slope. What was once so important to him now was you know what, I'm not going to have time to do that this week. You know what's amazing to me? Is that we have time for just about everything in life. But some of us don't have time to pray already. Amen. So for the youth, I do pray. Well, you know what I've learned in pastoring and dealing with people? That if I don't see people pray around here, it's a good indication they don't pray out there either. Amen. Now, if that hurts your feelings, please forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. But the reality is there are a lot of things in our spiritual journey that if we're not careful, they begin to play with our affections. They play with our emotions and our desires. And you know what? The world knows exactly how to play up to your emotions. The world knows exactly how to get down to that level of carnality that we all deal with and begin to massage and work on it and say, you know what? You deserve this. You, you need a break today. You, you need to reward yourself. You've done so good and no, it's not going to hurt you just for once. Man. 
Nicodemus said it started working on my affections. I, I don't know exactly when it happened, but I got tired of church. I got tired of hearing the preacher preach. I got tired of, of him talking about prayer. I got tired of him talking about reaching the lost. I got tired of hearing him trying to get me to an altar to pray. I got tired of him encouraging me to worship. I got tired of all that stuff that went on at church because my affections were being drawn in another direction. Amen. You need to be careful what gets a hold of your emotions. You need to be careful what gets a hold of your infections and be careful what you fall in love with. What you invest your time and money in is critical in your spiritual journey. No doubt, Demas began to develop some new friends. And I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to having new friends. Please don't misunderstand me today. I'm not so narrow-minded and bigoted to think that the only people you can be friends with are the people in this building. But I do believe that there is a danger when I have more friends other, other places than I do within the body of Christ. And this is what I've learned in my spiritual journey, that the more friends that I have out there, the more influence they have on me in here. Amen. He made some new connections. He made some new associates. He, he began to develop new friendships, and he started hanging out with a new crowd. Amen. Amen. When his carnal desires would rise up, instead of putting it down and putting it back in place and calling it in check, he just kind of let it go a little bit. It won't hurt. He turned to the world for his encouragement. He turned to the world for his strength. He turned to the world for his comfort. What made him feel good? What made him feel valuable? What made him feel like his desires were being fulfilled? And what he really wanted, he turned in another direction. And then what I deserve... Man, it's amazing how many people get tripped up over what they think they deserve. Amen. I deserve, I've had them tell me, Brother Hughes, I deserve a little happiness. And I don't disagree. I don't. I believe God wants everybody to be happy. Amen. I believe He's the one that invented happy. He's the author of happy. The world has commandeered it and tried to pervert it to make it something else. But God is the author of happiness. If there's anybody that can teach me how to be happy, he's the one that can teach me how to really be happy. I don't have to go out into a world and say, okay, show me what to do to have a good time. Amen. Amen. But I deserve that. And somehow, evidently, Demas began to feel like he deserved more than what he was getting. And those affections began to be played on. So when you have misplaced attention, and then it leads to misplaced affection, it's not long before there is a misplaced allegiance what you're committed to. 
what's important to you. Loyalties change. Consecrations are forgotten. Duties are neglected. Soon, he was so disconnected from Paul and the church that he felt more at home there than he did in the ministry. And there came a point in time where he turned and walked away. But it didn't happen overnight. It started with some of what some of you are struggling with right now, your attention, keeping it focused on what really matters. It's easy to justify our feelings sometimes because life is hard. I'm I'm not going to stand up here and tell you different than that. Life's tough. And I can say that most often I don't think any of you deserve what some of you have to live through. But don't ever let that become an excuse for going a different direction. But the devil's playing on your pearls. He's trying to get you to look at both worlds and thinking in your mind you can have them both. And the truth is you can reach for both worlds, but you'll lose them both. But when our eyes begin to focus on the things that really don't matter, who has the lead in the song, or who is going to play this, or who's going to teach that class, or who's going to sit on that pew. I've been in churches where they were split right down the middle. There was one family and one crew that sat on this side, and there was one family and one crew that sat on that side, and the two never met in the middle. They wondered why they couldn't have revival. And you want to stir the devil up, you try to get them together praying and loving one another, and the devil comes out very quickly. What happened? They got their eyes on things that really didn't matter. Amen. They let their feelings get hurt over things that are not worth being lost over. I'm not saying I don't have feelings, but I've lived long enough to know that I don't have to react to every hurt feeling that happens in my life because sometimes my reaction is worse than the hurt feeling. It's worse than what was done to me in the first place. And I'm better off just to suck it up and say, you know what? Sometimes in life, you just have to bear the burden and carry the cross. It may not be pleasant, but you do it anyway. Amen. And so the devil is doing his best in this hour to get so many of our people distracted. I'm telling you what I'm... What I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost, what kept me up most of the night last night, what has been stirring my heart for weeks, is that the fact that it's so hard sometimes to get everybody in one mind, in one accord. Amen. Invariably, you look across the congregation and in a powerful worship service like we had earlier, you'll have people that are looking around. They're, they're checking up what's in their purse or what's on their phone or they may even be talking or they're just watching, observing. That disturbs me. I, that may not trouble you, but that disturbed me. How can anybody stand in the presence of an almighty God like we have this and not be moved by that and not be touched by that and not be stirred by that? It tells me something. 
It tells me that something else has your attention. And when the preacher's voice just becomes an annoyance in your life, that tells me. Now, I'm not here grinding an axe this morning. I'm not, I'm not beating some issue that's been coming up and I've dealt with. I'm just preaching from the burden that's in my heart. But there are people that are in this place right now whose attention is being diverted from what really matters. And you wonder why I don't feel what I used to feel. I don't sense what I used to sense. What you need to do is get your eyes back on Him and say, God, I need a renewing in the Holy Ghost. I need a refilling of your Spirit. I need my heart to be baptized afresh with the passion and burden of the Lord. Some of you already passed the attention. He's working on your affections right now. The things that you love. You used to love to be involved. You used to love to come early for prayer. You used to love to be involved in this. And now you can take it or leave it. Doesn't really matter. Why? Because there's something else I'm beginning to like a little better. There's something else that I'm being drawn to that's attracting me. Man. Amen. I could name it today, but you know what I'm talking about. Amen. He started hanging out with a new crowd and running with new friends and being associated with a new element. And It didn't take long. That's maybe when the criticism started showing up. That may be when all the judging started. Well, you know, that's just a house full of hypocrites anyway. I know what they did. I know what they did. You know what? You know more than God knows. You do, you hypocrite. If you're sitting back there today and you're looking at anybody in this congregation and saying, I can't even believe they got their hands up, then you know more than God because God has made a commitment that when I bring my failures to Him, He forgets them. He remembers them no more. So if you're dragging up the past, you're dealing in the devil's business, not God's business. If you're constantly having to remind people, well, I, you just, you just, if, if I just had my say, well, go ahead and have your say. Talk all you want to talk. It's not going to change the mercy of God and it's not going to alter the grace of God and it's not going to stop the forgiveness of God and it's not going to stop the restorative power of God that when a man or a woman said, I'm ready to walk a new path, I'm ready to turn my life around, God said, come on, I'm ready to help you. I'm going to help you get out of that mess you've been in. Hallelujah. And then when you repent of it, God said, all right, it's over. I don't even remember. What, what was that that brought you here? Amen. Amen. I'm just talking to you this morning. You might wish you had a better preacher today. Attention, affection, allegiance. You know what I've discovered in pastoring, dealing with people? All I have to do 
is just watch who people are attracted to, and I can pretty much tell you what kind of person they are. That old saying, birds of a feather flock together, that's not just a saying. That is a spiritual truth. Like attracts like. And when you and I, living in the end time as we are, when things are so critical and it's so important that I live ready, that I am ready, I cannot afford to let one of those things happen to me because it will ultimately take me down the same path it took Demas. You say, oh, no, not me. Don't tell me that. Demas was the right hand of Paul. He was involved in the deepest part of the ministry of the church you could be involved in, traveling around the countryside, preaching, praying, working alongside, reaching, evangelizing, praying people through. And then the next time you read about him, of this present world, they hath forsaken me, having Love this present world. There were things in this world that became more important. He, he fell in love with the things that were around him. Amen. 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 No, it can't happen to me. Nah. Not in a million years. Well, I've lived too long for me to say never. Amen. Life gets in the way sometimes of our serving God. And we have to learn how to deal with life when it gets in the way. But I can never let it stop me from living for God. Amen. We are torn between living in this present life and living for Christ. There are certainly some very disheartening moments that come our way. But I'm here to tell you this morning. I don't know of anything in this world that's worth being lost over. Amen. I talked to my dear friend this week. He was getting ready for a funeral. And just in conversation, passing conversation, he mentioned a name. And I said, are you talking about, and I called the man by name. He said, yes, sir, I am. He said, he died. He's just a young man, and I think in his Late 40s, early 50s. Wife found him dead on the floor in the kitchen. My mind went back to a revival in 1983, 1984 when he prayed through. His wife became such a vital part of the ministry of that church. I don't know what happened. Something through the years happened. He became critical of the ministry. He became bitter about some things. I I don't know. All I know is that he died lost. He died so far away from God. And I thought about that this week, and I thought, how? How did that happen? And I thought, well, Lord, if you can help me, maybe I can help prevent somebody in this service from becoming another Demas. Maybe I could help somebody that's drifting to realize they need to get their bearings and get direction and get their life moving. Maybe maybe the devil's been playing with your 
affections. Maybe there's some things in this world that have been wooing you and appealing and calling to you. Maybe there's been some, some, some people that have tried to move in and make connections with you so that you could develop some new friends. And I'm not against new friends. Just be careful where your new friends take you. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. We're left wondering whatever happened to him. What was it that caused it to happen? I don't know the exact details, but I would guarantee you that if Demas could speak to you today, he would give you those three things. It started with my attention being diverted. And then it began to affect my emotions and my affections. It wasn't long before my allegiances had been altered. Here we are today at the close of another service. Beat you down. To condemn you. I'm not here to beat you up or beat you down. But if you're sitting here right now, And when I have said something today, it has resonated in your spirit that you need to pay attention. I'm just asking you to pay attention to that. Don't ignore it. Don't act like it's nothing. It'll pass. Don't let it pass. Don't let it pass. Hang on to that. Because that's nothing more than the love and the mercy of God trying to reach out to you Say, come on back. Come on, look back this way. This is what really matters. That out there is temporal. It's going to fade. It's going to burn with a fervent heat. But what's going on in here is eternal. This is what you have to stay connected to. This is what has to be at the core of everything that you do. This is what has to be what drives your life. Stand with me, if you will. Oh, God. Amen. I wish I could stand and scream to the top of my voice. Sometimes I feel like a watchman standing by the side of the road where a bridge is out and people are barreling down that highway and I'm trying to get their attention. I'm waving the lantern. I'm making all the gestures. I'm doing everything that I know to do to get their attention. But they're so occupied, so consumed, so caught up in the moment that they fail to see. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Look. Look Look where you're going. Stop a moment. Just just take your foot off the gas. If that, if you can't do anything, you, I'm not even asking you to put your foot on the brake yet. Just take your foot off the gas. Slow down a little bit. Let the Holy Ghost begin to talk to you. Let the Spirit of God begin to reach you. And consider, just consider, Has my consecration and commitment to God waned? Am I living for God the way I've lived for God in the past? 
Am I as close to God as I have been? Wake up, somebody. Please wake up. Please wake up. Hear hear me this morning. The bridge is out. The bridge is out. Come on. Something else has your attention. Something else has your affections. Something else has your allegiance. Come on, listen to the preacher. Hear me one more time. Reach over and take somebody by the hand right now. Holy Ghost, we need you right now. Oh God, there are no doubt are people in this building right now. They're not backslidden. They're not reprobate. They've not gone too far, but they are headed in a dangerous direction. They are moving down a dangerous path. I'm praying right now that somehow the Word of the Lord will reach out to where they are. And let's let's have some time to say, come on, come on, come on. Let's talk today. Let's let's, let's have some time together today. I want to hear from you this morning. I want to... I want to see you pour yourself out before me again. Come on. Come on, child. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come come, come, come back this way. Get, get away from that edge. Come on. Come back this direction. Come on. Come back toward the altar. Come on. Ah, uh, yes. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes. Come on. Come on. Come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 